Awesome. Awesome. Um, how many of you guys have enjoyed this How to Love Like You've Never Been Hurt series? It's been pretty awesome, hasn't it? Uh, if, if you're new here and, and you haven't heard the, the last few weeks, I, I encourage you, go on the Shore Christian Church app. It's free to download. Catch up with some of these, the last three parts, because they, they, they were so key to build that foundation of love inside of our hearts, that, that love is our foundation. It's, it's love that, that is able to produce the blessing, and that needs to be the foundation that we build everything on, the love and the grace of God, and it is God's command for us to forgive. It is God's command for us to love others. That is how Jesus said, the world is going to know that you belong to me is by loving one another, by forgiving one another. And one of the questions that I always get when I do series like this, and people always say, well, it, does that mean that if I forgive them, does that mean that I have to uh, go back to the same relationship with them that I had before uh, because they've hurt me and and I don't think I could trust them anymore and does forgiveness mean everything goes back to normal the answer to that is emphatically no what I always like to tell people is forgiveness doesn't mean you're a crash test dummy And, and let me break that down for all you crash test dummies out there it doesn't mean that just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean you get back in the car with them and let them abuse you over and over and over again. No, 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 no. Forgiveness means I could love you, but I'm not going to get back in that car with you again. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about this morning um, how to have boundaries, healthy boundaries. And the title that I want to give this sermon, I, uh, I like my title. I think it's a clever title. Uh, And the the title is, How to Love a Vampire. (laughs) Somebody loves this title. Yes, amen. Thank you. If if that's the only amen I get, I'll take it. That was good enough. How to Love a Vampire. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 through 20. Anybody have some vampires in their life? I'm talking about those people that just suck the life out of you, that that you get too close to them, and all of a sudden the fangs come out, and all of a sudden they just know how to drain the energy and drain the joy and drain the peace right out of you. How do you love a person like that? Romans chapter 12, verse 9, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving one another. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share in the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless those and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. But be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in your own eyes and in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And verse 21 says, do not be overcome by evil. But be overcome, we overcome evil with good. Easier said than done, Paul. I, I mean, anyone have trouble 
keeping peace with everybody, with all those life-sucking, blood-sucking vampires. Vampires are, are everywhere. There's vampires at work. There's vampires at church. There's va- vampires at home. If you have a vampire at home, just lift up your head. No, 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 don't, don't do that. <laughs> I, I mean, they're, they're, they're everywhere. I'm talking about people who uh, can be so consumed with themselves and, and, and what they want. It's, it's like that person that is, is walking around doing a selfie video, just destroying things around them, no regard for anything around them, and then they blame you when something breaks while they're doing their selfie video. Has anybody ever bumped into that person before? I, I bumped into that person at, at my house this past week. I, I had no idea that uh, one of my children uh, just got a hold of my cell phone, and then the next day, uh, I'm looking at these videos, me and Diamond, uh, and we woke up early, and I'm like, I, you have videos on your cell phone? She's like, I have videos on my cell phone. And we started watching these videos uh, on, uh, on our cell phone, and we found this one video uh, of Lily, and uh, Lily's uh, doing like a selfie video, and uh, you'll, you'll probably see it or hear it, uh, and while she's taking the video, crashes into one of Judah's Lego sets while she's doing the, se- the selfie video. Let's just go to the, the camera. Yeah, baby, let's get the moves. Yeah, baby, let's get the moves. This is my house. Oh, it looks fancy. Let's do that on mom. Oh, no. we'll do something else. I don't know. But Judah, you're not going to be happy. See? Uh, you're not going to be happy. So I think that last part was going to be, you ruined my video. <laughs> Anyone ever run into those people before <laughs> that are just so consumed with themselves and no regard for the people around them? Uh, I just wrote a few of these down, and, and I wonder if, if you ever ran into these people before. Um, I wrote down just a few um, of real-life vampires, internet vampires, people who approach life with a high sense of entitlement but have a low sense of gratitude, people who always make withdrawals but rarely make any deposits, people who demand their rights but forsake their responsibilities, people who don't follow through on their commitments, people who think Whatever they're dealing with is the most important thing in the world at that moment. People who talk so much and listen so little. People who excuse their own issues but always pick out the faults of others. People who don't want to put in the effort but they expect amazing results. People who want everyone else to change except themselves. They have the monopoly on all the right answers. How... Can you love these people without letting them suck the life out of you? Because we're called to love one another. How do you love a vampire? The first point I want to make, and I I think that it is the starting point 
for how we love vampires. Number one is to realize that the biggest vampire in your life, the biggest life-sucking, blood-sucking creature in your life is the person that you see staring you back in the mirror every single morning. That I'm a sucker, you're a sucker, we're all suckers. And, and, and excuse my language, we all suck. <laughs> every one of us. Every one of us can be that person. Every time you, you know, what I'm saying, how do you love a vampire? We're thinking of so-and-so. We're saying, man, I hope so-and-so's listening. And so-and-so is saying, I hope you're listening because you're a bloodsucker. I'm a vampire. We're all in this together. And it starts because it's funny. I didn't know this. I, I met with my creative team. Uh, uh, what's up, Abby? She was the one that told me this. She, Abby apparently knows tons about vampires. Uh, vampires can't see their reflection in the mirror. And so often we can't see our reflection in the mirror. We look at everybody else. We, we look at everybody else with a magnifying glass. We know we could pick out faults in every single person. But the, where it starts is realizing that I am the biggest vampire in my own life. How do I know that? I'll tell you what, what Paul said. This is what Paul said about it. Paul, Paul was awesome. Paul said in Romans chapter 7, verse 21, he said, For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, raging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin that works within me. What a wretched man am I who will rescue me from this body that is subject to, to death. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus. We always want to talk about other people, but you're the one that you need to deal with first. God says, before you, you, you say, take the speck out of my brother's eye, you need to remove the plank out of your own eye first because if you're judging others, guess who's the first person that's going to be judged is you. I thought about this. People who are the most hypercritical are the biggest hypocrites because what happens is the reason I'm so hypercritical of you is because I'm trying to cover up a deficiency that's within myself and so my, my hypercritical attitude just reveals a hypocritical spirit that is dwelling inside of me how do I know this because every single one of you sucked the blood out of Jesus for while we were still sinners, you think it was Roman soldiers that were putting those nails in the hands of Jesus? No, it was you. It was me. Every single one of us is the reason that the blood got sucked out of Jesus. I'm a vampire. You're a vampire. We're all vampires. We need to be able to deal with ourselves first. We need to be able to love ourselves first. We need to be, stop being so hypercritical of ourselves and realize that it is through the grace of God that I am saved. This is what Paul said in 1st Timothy chapter 1 verse 15 put it up there here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners save all those pushers all those hookers no to save me of whom I am the worst it starts by realizing that you are not as good as you think you are 
And yet you are more loved than you could ever realize. Search me, O oh God. That's what David said. Search me. Search my heart. How many of you wake up every single morning and, and, and are able to say, God, search me. What areas in my heart do I need to deal with? That's what David said every single morning. Search me. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew an upright spirit within me. Search my heart. This is what he said. Test me in my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. It starts in me. And once it starts in you, then you can begin to get to step number two. Number one, biggest vampire in my life is me. Number two, you need to define your property lines. If you ever buy a house or you ever want to put up a, a fence or, or a shed, the first thing that they're going to want is a survey on that home. And what a survey does is it defines your property line so you're not putting up a fence on somebody else's yard, right, Lisa? And you, you, Because you need to know where your property ends, your responsibility ends, and where your neighbor starts. I'm not responsible to mow my neighbor's lawn. I'm responsible for, for my own lawn, and, and so many people, we, we get this confused, and we start mowing other people's lawns, doing things that we're not responsible for, and we end up draining ourselves because we don't know how to put up boundaries to be able to protect our hearts because this is what the Bible says. The Bible says, guard your heart. The Bible says that boundaries are part of being in the kingdom of God. Boundaries are biblical. Say, boundaries are biblical. That's right. No, no, no. We're supposed to love everybody. No. No, 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 no. You're, you're supposed to love unconditionally, but doing unconditional love does not mean I give you unrestricted access to my heart. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in, in the seat of a scoffer, nor walks in the path of sinners. Sounds like boundaries to me. That there are some places I'm not going to walk. There's some places I'm not going to stand. There's some people that I'm not going to be around because boundaries are biblical. Uh, the uh, author of this great book uh, called Boundaries, Dr. Henry Clout, wrote this. I, I love it. Uh, I, I said, uh, and it's funny, I, I put it up on Facebook, and, and immediately everyone thought I was being political. Um, not everything is a political statement, okay? Uh, but this is a, a spiritual statement. This is a good statement that every single one of us need to be able to embrace. Uh, we should build boundaries not to keep people out, but to protect the treasure that God has placed inside of us. If you knew how precious what God has placed inside of you is, then you would protect it better than they protect the gold at Fort Knox. See, we, we have safes, we have boundaries, we have doors for everything except our heart, except what God has placed inside of us. We give access to everybody for what God has placed inside of us, and we think that we just have to love everybody means we have to give them unrestricted access to our hearts. We, we have to love everybody, which means we have to agree with everybody, but there are moments when you have to take a stand for the truth. You have to take a stand for God's will in your life, because this is the thing. Loving people... Without the truth is out of order the same way that the truth is out of order without love. Oh, you, you want scripture. Jesus loved everybody, didn't he? Unconditionally. He loved his disciples unconditionally. He loved Simon Peter unconditionally. And yet in this moment, 
when Simon Peter tried to get in the way of God's will in Jesus' life. He had to straighten Peter out and put up a boundary and say, get behind me, Satan, because you are not mindful of what God's will is for my life. And there are some people that you have to put a boundary up because what they are speaking in your life, the things that they're trying to do in your life are not part of God's will for your life. And you have to be able to say, I love you, but I can't hang out with you. I love you, but I can't embrace what you're trying to push on me. I love you, but there's a boundary that I have to put up because God is taking me somewhere and I cannot spend that time with you anymore. But I love you. And that's biblical. I was talking with, with my wife, Diamond, last night, and I asked her, like, because my, my, my wife grew up differently, if you, you don't know her. Um, she grew up in a very dysfunctional family with both of her parents in prison. Uh, she was, uh, um, got hooked on crystal meth when she was 16 years old. When she was 18, uh, she, she was using drugs with family. It, it was just, just the dysfunction at the, at the top of the food chain. But when she was 18, she went to a place called the Los Angeles Dream Center on her own. Nobody forced her. Was it a parent forcing her? She just knew I had to, I, there's more to life than this. There's more to life than just living like this. And, and she went to the LA Dream Center and she told me the hardest thing that she had to do because she, she was able to manipulate her father into giving her money every single uh, week at the LA Dream Center. And that was all their relationship was based off of. And she needed money. This is the only source of income that she had when she was at the LA Dream Center. And, and yet every time that she had to get on the phone and talk to her father, it was a dysfunctional conversation. He was still using drugs and she knew that there was a, there, there was a powerful soul tie there that was, that was going to get in the way of God's will in her life. And she said it was the hardest thing she ever had to do to tell her father, Dad, I can't talk to you if this is the only thing that we're going to talk about. And I can't take your money any longer. I mean, cut off the only source of her, of her revenue because she knew it was unhealthy. And she told me in one month, when she graduated the discipleship program, at 18 years of age, she was the first person to ever get a full-time job at the LA Dream Center from someone who graduated the discipleship program. And then in eight months after that, she ended up going on full-time staff with the church, counting the offerings that would come in every single Sunday. A girl from discipleship, given that why? Because she was able to set a boundary. Because she was able to say, that is getting in the way of God's will in my life, Dad. I can't have that conversation with you anymore. This is where I stand. I wonder how many people are one act of obedience away from a blessing. I wonder how many people, and it is hard. Boundaries are painful. Boundaries are difficult. It is so hard to have those conversations with people that are going to guilt trip you, people that are going to manipulate you. But I want you to know that you have to love yourself and love them enough to realize that there needs to be a boundary here. I can't hang out with you anymore. I can't have those conversations with you anymore about our past. I am moving forward in God's will. And there will come a time because God restored the relationship Diamond had with her father. Diamond's father got saved. Diamond's father got baptized and restored that relationship. But there was a season where there had to be a boundary. And that's okay. And I pray right now, let's just bow our heads. Father, in the name of Jesus, 
I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice that, that knows that there needs to be a boundary set up and, and yet it is so difficult and yet manipulation can really control us, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will give us strength to be able to build those healthy boundaries, to save and protect what you have placed inside of us and to help that other person realize that I am not the one that can bear your burden. I am not the one that you have to be dependent on. That only comes from Jesus. Pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Boundaries are biblical. Titus chapter 3 verse 10 says this. It says, warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. Tony Soprano didn't say that. The apostle Paul said that. <laughs> have nothing to do with them. Nothing. I, I mean, that, that, that's boundaries. See, every relationship has different boundaries. My relationship with my wife, see, I don't have any boundaries with her. She could come in my bedroom whenever she wants. But Rick, I love you, Rick. I love you so much. But our, our relationship has boundaries. You're not allowed to come in my bedroom, Rick. Th thank God. Amen. And the church said, Amen. that's right. Because it's, and you get that. Because every relationship has different boundaries. If you're, if you're rich enough and you have a house and you're in a gated community, you may give that code to somebody to uh, uh, maybe you, um, you have someone cut your lawn. You give them the code to get in but you don't give them a key to your front door because there's no reason for them to come in your house. Is that unloving? No. Is that unloving for me to uh, invite uh, my, my, my friend, you know, Ron, over, and we, we have dinner together, you can come in my house? Is it unloving to say, Ron, it's 8 o'clock, I got to put my kids to bed, you got to go? No, that, 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 see, because we're, we're okay with boundaries. Boundaries are biblical. You need to have boundaries in your life. You need to be able to have boundaries, even with, you know, you, you read that, that text up there. You know, I done warned my kids three times. Now I want nothing to do with them. No, no, no. You never get to give up on your kids. You never get to give up. You, you love those kids. They're, those are your kids. You never get to give up on them. But I'm not going to finance you to, to go in another year of college of partying where you're getting a 1.5 GPA. No, 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 no. Uh, because I'm showing you that I am your one that you need to be dependent on rather than yourself, and I'm not teaching you responsibility because boundaries are biblical. Boundaries are so important in families. And I could love you unconditionally, but not give you unrestricted access to me. A lot of times we need to be able to have internal boundaries. You need to be able to guard your heart because maybe there's some people that you have to see, some people that you have to see at work. Some people that you have to see on Thanksgiving. And you, you have to see them. You need to be able to have internal boundaries in your heart where you, you don't open yourself up. You don't trust that person. I could be around you, but I'm able to have a boundary. Even though I could see you, I'm not going to let you control my emotions any longer. I own my emotions. My emotions don't own me. And you need to be able to have that boundary. You need to, some of you, you need to realize that if you're being, <laughs> if you're being abused, 
you call the police. You don't just call on Jesus. And don't let somebody manipulate you into, oh, don't you love me? Don't you love me? No, 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 no. You, you can love people better long distance. Let Jesus give that person a hug. You, you, you get a restraining order on that person. That's not unloving. That's saying, I, I, I love myself and what God has put inside of me so much that I'm not going to let you abuse me any longer emotionally, physically, any longer and manipulate me anymore. This is, this is what, what we do so much, I've been a victim of it, we all have, is we end up thinking we are the burden bearers. And so we carry everybody else's burden on our back. And what we end up doing is doing an injustice to them because now they think we're the burden bearers and they're dependent on us and not on God. There are some people you need to give to God and say you need to learn to cast your cares upon him. You need to learn to give your burdens to him because he is the only one who can save you. He is the only one that can restore your brokenness. I can't do this. Don't look to me as your savior any longer. And you need to stop getting off on being everyone's savior. You are not supposed to be the savior of the world. You're not supposed to be Van Helsing trying to kill all the vampires out there. You need to point them to Jesus and say, Jesus is the answer. I could help. I could come alongside you. I could guide you. I could give you advice, but you have to mow your own lawn. I could teach you how to do it. I could show you where you buy your lawnmower. I could tell you how to put the gas in it, but you have to mow your lawn on your own. Do I hear an amen? amen. Boundaries. And the, 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 the third Second? Third. Third point. Third point is you have, to, you have to stay full of God's presence or you'll have nothing to give anybody. See, so, so often we're giving, we're giving, we're giving. And we're never filling. We're never filling ourselves. And what we end up doing is we end up leaking love and not overflowing in love. See, Jesus, Jesus was amazing. Nobody gave more than Jesus, but Jesus never leaked love. See, so many of us, we're, we're just leaking right out the bottom love, and then you, you wonder why you're so burnt out, and you wonder why you're so frustrated with people, and you're, you're, you feel so, so bitter because you're leaking love. Jesus, nobody gave more than him, but nobody prayed more than him. Nobody uh, did more for others than Jesus, but nobody got in the presence of God more than Jesus. Amen. That there was a moment where he fed 5,000 people. Imagine that, feeding 5,000 people, preaching to 5,000 people. And, and he knew that there was more that the Father had him to do the next day. But before he could go to the next thing, he had to get refilled with God's presence. Because if you have a cup, this is, and I don't, and, and it would be messy if I did, but if, if you had a cup, what you need to be able to do is give from your overflow, not out of what leaks out the bottom. Because so many of us, we are like cracked cisterns. We leak. We are broken. And we end up giving out of our brokenness. You need to give out of a full cup so that you can overflow out the top and still be full. That I could pour out into you but I can still be full and I can still be healthy. That's what Jesus was able to do. The Bible says that in his presence, Psalm chapter 16, verse 11, is fullness of joy and at his right hand, 
pleasures forevermore. You have to stay full. So how do you love a vampire? How are you able to love like you've never been hurt? Everybody just lean in for the next 10 minutes. Because this is exactly where I wanted, wanted to land this entire series. How, how are we going to close this series? How are we going to close and get an understanding of how do we love somebody who has hurt us? How do you love somebody who has no way of paying you back? How do you love somebody that has broken your heart? How do you love again after your heart has been broken? Jesus was a master at this. Jesus, the Bible says, was sitting at the table with 12 vampires, his disciples. And Jesus is moments away from going to the cross. Jesus knew what was about to happen with Judas Iscariot. He knew that this man was about to bite him in the back. He knew it. How could Jesus love this man who was going to hurt him and break his heart? Was go, how, how do you love that person? Because you can do it too. You could love your enemies. You could bless those who curse you. That is unnatural. I'll tell you, this is, this, is, this is how you do it. My fourth point. I'm going to say it and then I'm going to break it down. How you do it is realize that my reward comes from God. Jesus, Jesus said as he's sitting at the table with him, this evening the meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and that he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After he had poured water into a basin, he began to wash his disciples' feet. He began to wash Judas's feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. How could he get on his hands and his knees and wash the feet of the man that was about to betray him? The man that was about to literally kill him and send him to the cross. The only way Jesus was able to do that was the Bible said he knew who he was. He knew that he was from God. He knew that he was approved of God. And he knew that his reward came from God. His reward didn't come from Judas. His reward didn't come from John. His reward didn't come from Peter. His reward came from God. So in this moment, I could serve you, Peter. I could love you, Judas, because my reward doesn't come from you. My reward comes from God. And so when you get that revelation, you are able to forgive on a whole nother level. You're able to realize that even if you walk out on me, even if I do everything for you and you turn your back on and walk away from me, I can still love like I've never been hurt because I didn't expect my reward to come from you anyway. I didn't expect you to reciprocate what I gave you. The reason I did it is because my reward comes from God. My reward comes from above. 
That revelation can change your whole life. Because some of you, you are so closed off. I'll never love again. I want you to know that your reward doesn't come from other people. Look to the person to the right of you. Say, my reward doesn't come from you. Person to the left of you, my reward doesn't come from you. And I want you to look up and say, my reward comes from him. And you may feel unappreciated. You may feel unloved. You may feel like things aren't being reciprocated to you. But I'm telling you, he is more than enough for you. Let's stand to our feet right now.